The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. You, Jesus, and so tonight, I pray that our worship and our words and our song have been just a tiny expression of how good you have been to us. You are a good God. Thank you, Jesus, for how good you've been. Jesus, I thank you that today your mercies are new, your faithfulness is great. God, I thank you that whatever happened yesterday does not define today, nor will it define tomorrow, because God, you will still be faithful. And God, I'm reminded tonight that we have nothing to fear tonight, nor tomorrow, nor yesterday, because you've already seen it all. And God, regardless of how we fear, and God, how we um, are scared, and how we have no idea how we're going to get from here to there. Jesus, I'm grateful that tonight you've already seen the way. You've already made provision, and it's because you love us, and it's not because we deserved it, but it's because of your grace, Jesus. God, tonight I'm reminded, and I'm grateful. So I think about those over Christmas break who got bad news. God, those who got difficult medical news. God, I'm reminded tonight that I'm grateful when I think about those who have lost an entire home due to a fire. God, I'm grateful when I think about those who had a child who became terminally ill. Jesus, I'm grateful today and tonight that you make provision for our every need. And regardless of circumstance or situation, good or bad in our eyes, God, you are still good. So Jesus, we honor you. So we open up the scriptures tonight as we read your word. God, may you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hands and feet to move in the direction that you speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody in the Colony Theater say, amen. Amen. Well, go ahead and grab a seat. We're grateful that you're here tonight. Why don't you guys thank our band. Gosh, they do such an amazing job. An incredible group of worship leaders, and at some point um, in the near future, I hope that we're going to record a live album. I never, yeah, that's the first time I've said that, but I'm going to put it on your plate. Well, I hope the new year started off great for you. I don't know what you did last night. I stayed at home like the old man that I am, and, um, but I Love this time of year for a lot of reasons, and uh, probably for a lot of the same reasons that you love this time of year. Um, but the t- this time of year is not without challenges. You understand that. And they come in all different shapes and sizes and forms. One of the challenges as a parent of three kids, <laughs> uh, and by the way, if you're a parent here tonight and you have your older kids with you, we'll be back to normal, regular scheduling and programming next week, and your kids can go to... Okay, great. Yes, kids are a blessing, and uh, we're glad that they're here tonight, but they'll be in their classroom next week, okay? But one of the challenges as a parent of three kids in this time of the season, this time of the year, is that uh, I'm trying to teach my kids how to open Christmas presents. Uh, If you don't have kids, you, you know the understanding, you understand this, you have experienced it as a kid, but I'm trying to teach my kids that even though uh, you may open up a present that you don't like, 
you still need to be grateful for who gave it to you, right? I, I don't know if you remember as a kid, you could just tell, you knew this was not going to be the best present, right? If it was rectangular and it was a small box, you knew what was going to be inside, right? A pair of clothes, a pair of shorts, a pair of pants, a pair of drawers, something you don't want, right? And so I, I remember as a kid opening up presents, and I'm not the best at hiding my ingratitude for things that I don't necessarily want or need, right? And you can always tell, if you ever give me something, and um, I probably shouldn't give this away, so now i got to fake it, but if you ever give me something, and I'm just like, man, wow, man, thanks, I really appreciate that, you know, that's awesome. Like, you know I'm faking it, or I just, I don't like it, I'm like, I'm not grateful for it. But if you give me something that I'm extremely grateful for, somebody here tonight came tonight and gave me tickets for all of my family to go to Universal, and honestly, I'm extraordinarily grateful. Like, I go, oh my gosh, this is amazing, this is what I've been wanting, I've been thinking about this, I didn't know how I was going to get it, this is so unbelievable, this is exactly what I wanted, right? Like, I, I, I'm not good at hiding my ingratitude, and I'm trying to teach my kids um, during the Christmas season, whenever you... Uh, get something that you don't want, it doesn't mean that um, you have an opportunity to be ungrateful. As I'm thinking over 2016, there's a lot of things I have to be grateful for. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of things we as a church have to be grateful for this year. Um, I, I'm just, I was thinking in preparation to speak to you tonight about all the things that I have to express my gratitude for this year. I'm thinking about gifts that were given. I'm thinking about relationships that were formed. I'm thinking about a church that was established in our city this year for the story of God, for the city of LA. Honestly, as we're preparing tonight and setting up, I know you guys think you walk in here and like this is boom, it's already done, but it takes a lot of people to get it done. And as we're setting up, I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Michael on the audio. I'm grateful for Bob on video. I'm grateful for Chris who, I, like I'm just, I'm walking around and think I'm so grateful for the people that come in and make this happen. I'm grateful for Laura who sets up the logo with the lights behind it. I'm grateful for the people that make this happen. There's so many things this year I have to be grateful for. And as you reflect over, I don't know if you, you, you enter into a time of reflection at the end of every year. I think it's a good exercise. I think it's healthy for you personally, spiritually, emotionally. I think it's good to reflect over where you have been and what God has done and why you should be grateful. And as I'm thinking over this past year, there is so much to be thankful for. Not only that, but I think there's, um, there's an interplay, there's an intertwine between being grateful and, and receiving something that you just did not expect, you did not ask for, that went over and above and beyond anything that you would have imagined. I just think over, over my life, I, I've, I've been given a car, I've been, I've, I've been given so many things that I look at and I'm like, I did not deserve that, and I'm so grateful. Paul writes in the book of 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. If you have a Bible tonight, I would encourage you to open it up and turn to it every time you come to Story City Church. The scriptures are our text. We're always going to teach from the scriptures. And that's how we do it. By the way, if you come and you don't have a Bible, you can go to our Connect table after the service and you can grab one. We'd love to give you a Bible for free. If you have one at home, you just forgot to bring it, don't grab one. It ain't for you, okay? 
2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, Paul addresses the Corinthian believers. And he's going to tie two themes together. He's going to take this idea of grace. If you don't, if you, if you don't typically attend church, and I don't take for granted that um, there's people every single Sunday that we come together that don't typically attend church, but you came for whatever reason. And I want to say as one of the pastors here, I'm grateful that you came. And I'm grateful that you give us some time every Sunday to show up and to listen and to explore and to lean in. And if you don't go to church, though, and you hear this idea of grace, it's not an uncommon term, but essentially what it means is, 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 is the, it's, it's receiving something that you did not deserve. And so Paul's going to speak in terms of salvation. He's going to speak in terms of Jesus doing something for us that we did not deserve. But look at me. Paul gets very practical in chapter 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, and he goes beyond just the idea of Jesus giving us something we don't deserve, and he speaks directly to the Corinthians, and he's looking back, and he's saying, there was a time in your life when there were people in your midst who had a need, and you met that need. You were generous in what God had given you. And even though they may not have deserved it, you were generous to give it. And I praise God for the grace that you extended to other brothers and sisters. Really what he's writing to, the, the circumstance he's writing to, literally there are, are, are people in this context that are on the brink of starvation. And the Corinthian believers have um, extended a hand, they've extended grace, and they've taken what God has given them, and they have offered it to brothers and sisters who are in need. I don't know if you've been a recipient of something that you needed this year by even somebody in this room or somebody outside of this room, but I just want to say to you, that's an extension of God's grace to you. And when grace is extended, Paul is going to enter into this conversation another theme. He's going to insert this idea of gratitude. And he's going to say when grace is demonstrated and given, the outcome of that grace is intended to be gratitude. And so if you have a Bible tonight, I, I want to I speak to you on this idea of gratitude for just a few minutes. By the way, um, the reason why I chose this theme for the first day of the new year is because it's a reflective theme. I'm looking over 2016, and there's so much in my own personal heart. So I want to speak to you out of the overflow of what God has is, is spoken to me in the reflective season that we're in. But let me just also say this to you. Let me just make it very personal to you. I was a youth pastor for 14 years, and I, I studied generational tendencies and, and patterns. And for the most of my youth ministry life, I, 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 I led what's known as millennials. And there are many of you in here who are millennials. My wife is a millennial. I'm on the verge of being a millennial. Um, I'm Generation X. But for the, the, the description that often came up with millennials and, and don't and, and take this personal if you want, but, 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 but the description that was often put forth is that the millennial generation feels entitled. And um, I, I, I'm not necessarily, I don't, I don't necessarily like overlaying a title over an entire generation, but in my experience in youth ministry, I found that to be the case. And entitled meaning like, like I deserve what I've been given. And when we are entitled, it leads to this um, lack of gratitude or ingratitude for many of us. Um, I, I think furthermore, in our city in Los Angeles, we have a greater tendency in this city to be ungrateful for what we have been given 
just by the nature of who we are and what we do here. So I think this is an applicable theme. So let me jump into it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting, I'm going to start in verse 6 tonight. Bob, do you have verse 6? You got verse 6. Okay, perfect. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly, I'm going to try to get all the way down to verse 15. The 15 is the meat of it, so just bear with me. Now this I say, he who spares sowingly, uh, sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Verse 7, <clears throat> and each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. I, I love this verse, and I'm not intending to talk about giving tonight. By the way, one of the things I'm grateful for in 2016 is how you have been an extraordinarily generous church to us um, and in this fellowship. I don't have time to do it, but I was writing thank you cards last week, and there are over 100 people in our fellowship that financially gave to our church in the last year. For a brand new church in our city, that is unbelievable. I'm grateful for your generosity. I'm not intending to preach on giving tonight. It just happens to be um, applicable to what Paul is saying. Each one must do as he has purpose in his heart, verse 7, not grudgingly or under compulsion, verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. Here's the one theme, grace. He's talked about it in chapter 8. He's talking about it again in chapter 9. He's commending the Corinthian believers for giving to the needs in the body, in the community. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Verse 9, he goes back to the Old Testament. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. Now he who supplies, he's talking about God. Now God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Um, I don't know if you have a church background. I don't know if you watch church on TV. If you do, you are probably familiar with this idea of sowing a seed. Like you give seven, we'll give $770 back to you. We're not that kind of church. And that's not what this verse is speaking to. But I believe very specifically, God is saying here, what you have and what they need is what I have given to you to meet what they need. And he goes on further to say, when you have something that they need and you use that to meet that need, I will make provision for every need you have. It's not a, um, it, it, God, God's not a yin and yang, like, like you give and I will give back to you. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean when you give, he gives back to you financially. It may not be a financial blessing that you receive, but God's promise is when there is a need and you meet that need, I will meet every need you have. And so he goes on to say in verse 11, you will be enriched, here it is, in everything for all liberality which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. This is so good. This is so vital to the understanding of grace and gratitude. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. He goes on in verse 13, because of the proof given of this ministry, they will glorify God 
for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. Again, Paul is affirming there is a need. You have met the need, and God is glorified by it, primarily because the people you have met the need for are giving thanksgiving to God. That's where we're going to get tonight. Now, verse 14. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Paul's saying there are people that labor on your behalf. There are people that are praying for you in your moment of need. When we did this scripture reading tonight, I, 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 knew, mo- I knew every one of you that came down and read scripture tonight. And I, knew, I know a lot of your stories. And as some of you read scripture, that scripture was very personal and deep and emotional to me because I know that scripture spoke to you this year and what you were going through. There are people who are laboring on your behalf, and that is not a merited, that's not something you um, necessarily deserve. Paul is saying that's an expression of grace, that's something that's undeserving. I've found that the most ungrateful people are people who don't understand that they are not necessarily deserving of what they have been given. And Paul goes on to say in verse 15, and this is the concluding part of this verse, and and I'm just going to take a few minutes. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I want to just spend a few minutes on this last verse. The first thought I want to share with you tonight is that I believe gratitude is a response to grace. The response to grace is a place of gratitude. This is what Paul says in verse 15. Thanks. He uses this idea of, of, uh, 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 that we probably understand more culturally and, um, and, and customarily than, than we may really understand. Like, like it's customary. If something does something nice for you, you say thank you. Um, and that may be more of an expression of honor than it is an expression of gratitude. But just because you say thanks for something that's been given to you, the scripture does not call that gratitude. However, understanding that something has been given that you did not deserve is the pathway to being a grateful person. I look back over 2016, and there's a lot that I didn't deserve. Um, I I didn't deserve for a great friend to walk into my life to speak truth to me. I didn't deserve for um, God to make provision for every need we had in this church and then some. Um, I, I, th- there's just so much over the last year that I am grateful for because I understand we didn't deserve it. We, we didn't do anything to, 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 to manufacture it. And the idea that gratitude is simply an act of, of, of willpower, like I'm just willing myself to say thanks, is not actually what Scripture says. You can be excited about a gift yet still be an ungrateful person. My kids can open up presents on Christmas morning, and they can find a, uh, exactly what they asked for, whatever your kids got. I don't even remember what they got. It's been two weeks now. But they can, they can open up presents on Christmas morning, and they can be so excited about the gift, yet they can still be ungrateful kids. The response to grace, undeserved grace, is gratitude. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, that he begins to unpack this idea that Jesus has given, us, has given us something that we didn't deserve. If you've been around church, you understand what that is. It's the gift of salvation. He laid down his life for us. There was nothing we did to earn that. 
And he talks in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He says, Jesus, though he was rich, he made himself poor for your sake so that through his poverty you may become rich. In essence, what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, is that there is a person who is wealthy and there is a person who is poor. There is a person who is a have, there is a person who is a have not. There is a person who is full and there is a person who is empty. And the person who is full empties himself and grace becomes effectual on behalf of the person who is empty. Grace becomes effectual when the person who is poor becomes rich because the person who is rich became poor. There is grace that becomes effectual in your life when there is a person who was the have, he became the have not so that you could become the have. That's the essence of grace, something undeserved and what enters, what the pathway there ushers us into is this idea of grace. It's way more than just saying thank you or, or returning a favor or, 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 or doing good works. I'm, I'm, I have a difficult time um, expressing my gra- gratitude. It's not that I'm ungrateful, but a lot of times I have a difficulty expressing my gratitude. When I was um, first starting out in ministry, I had an unbelievable pastor. I still consider him my pastor to this day. Um, I had just started, and three months after I started, I was getting married. And I was at summer camp, and I was literally leaving on the Sunday after summer camp to go get married. And as I'm walking out of the auditorium one day um, at summer camp, he, he comes up to me, and I've only been there three months, and he shakes out his hand, and he says, says, and he, I could feel there was something in his hand, and he slipped me a $100 bill, and he said, hey, go take your wife out for a really nice dinner on your honeymoon. And, and in the moment, like, I have difficulty expressing my gratitude, but it doesn't mean I'm ungrateful, but I realized he did not have to do that. And so when I was trying to wrestle through, how do I say thank you to my pastor? I was like, I don't know, what, like, thank you is not, like, I just can't verbally say thank you. I can't send an email. That's weird. And so I can't send a text message. And so I, I knew that his face favorite uh, restaurant, uh, some of you don't understand this, was the Waffle House. Anybody ever been to the Waffle House? Okay, all right. Some of you people not from LA understand it. You got to go to Phoenix to go to the Waffle House, all right? When I was back in Florida this week, I went to the Waffle House. Amen. Shekinah glory. It was amazing. And so I knew that my pastor's, one of his favorite restaurants, like he's, he's, um, and he's an amazing man. Of, he's very refined, but he loves like good food, Okay. And so I'm like, the way I'm going to say thank you is I got out this, like, this cardboard paper, and I got out the crayons, and I wrote this note, Pastor, thank you for the gift, and I included a Waffle House gift card. That's how I said thank you. And I look back on it, and I'm like, just because you say thank you doesn't mean that you are a grateful person. If that's the case, then, then this idea of gratitude, what, what does it mean to be grateful? You understand that? Like, like it may be customary. You may show honor to the person that waits on you at the table tonight at the restaurant. Like, you don't go into a restaurant and, like, you're not overwhelmed with gratitude by the server who brought you um, uh, another glass of water, brought you out your food, cleaned up your table when you were done. Like, 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 you don't just necessarily think, oh, my gosh, I'm extremely grateful for this person. You know why? Because it's not necessarily something that was undeserved. You're paying her to do what she does. That doesn't mean you're an ungrateful person. It just doesn't automatically well up this idea of gratitude in you. But we understand gratitude in the context of being undeserving, but if saying thank you is not being grateful, what does it mean to be grateful? Look at this, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his, I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Paul uses this word 
indescribable gift. When I think of this word indescribable, I, I think of something that is just like over the top, unbelievably amazing. Like, like und- indescribable. It's like, oh my gosh, um, I was, this, is, this is the best. It's like Clemson winning the national championship. This is awesome, right? Like, this is amazing. Paul used this word indescribable. I, I, I find it helpful to think about um, gratitude as this thought that, that um, it's more than saying thank you when somebody gives you something. It's more than an action. Customary, we may say thank you, but, but really what it comes down to, now bear with me just for a moment. What it takes is it turns the words thank you, what takes the, the words thank you and turns it into gratitude. Now bear with me just for a moment is this feeling of overwhelming happiness. That may sound odd to you, but I believe gratitude is best experienced when we understand that that something has happened internally. It's a feeling that arises uncoerced in the heart. I have a difficult time this time of year teaching my kids how to open up presents because as much as I can force my kids to say thank you, I cannot force them to be grateful. Like I, 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 on, on Sunday, next Sunday, when my family gets back in town, I'm going to surprise my son with a three-day trip back east to see Clemson University play the Alabama Crimson Tide for the national championship. And uh, okay, if you're for Alabama, you can stop cheering right now, all right? And, and so I'm going to surprise him with a gift. God bless you anyway. And so I'm going to surprise him with a gift, a three-day deal with, with, with just him and dad, and we're going to go away. I have this feeling that my son is going to be overwhelmingly excited. Yet I'm also painfully aware that just because he is excited, it does not mean that he is grateful Although gratitude leads to gladness, it's not an act of willpower. When it rises in our hearts, we like it. It's a part of happiness, not misery. Now, this is the thought. Gratitude is a form of delight. Gratitude is a form of delight. Like, we understand. We feel it. We know it. Like, this is gratitude. I'm overwhelmed. It's indescribable. But gratitude doesn't end with a feeling because... The feeling ultimately has to be directed towards something greater. This is what Paul says in verse 15. He says, thanks. This is what he says. Now listen to this. If you've got something to write with, you're going to underline it in your Bible. Thanks be to God for his. I think that's instructive in this last verse. Thanks be to God for his. Paul reminds us that gratitude ultimately will glorify the giver. Gratitude will ultimately glorify the giver. It's more than just delighting in a gift. Like we all have this understanding that we love the things that we've been given, but do we ultimately love those who gave it to us? That's the ultimate experience and form of gratitude. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he also writes in 2 Timothy that one of his missions, one of his desires in ministering to people is that ultimately it results in thankfulness and gratitude, not not just to Paul or those who are ministering to them, 
But Paul's desire is that his ministry to people, his laboring on behalf of people, will ultimately result in gratitude to God. I love the 5 p.m. service, by the way. (laughs) We don't have a 5 p.m. service, not yet. I'm hoping and praying that 2016 is the year that we have a 5 p.m. service. Uh, 1 p.m., I don't know what time it is. Another time (laughs) along with 10.30 in the morning. A second service. You know why? Because I came to Los Angeles with this feeling of gratitude in my heart for what Jesus had done for me ultimately, and I want other people to experience the same gratitude ultimately towards the giver who gives the ultimate gift of salvation. I really have a difficult time when um, I encounter Christians who don't experience that same gratitude. Like, like, Pastor, I just want it to be the 1030 service. No, I get that. I understand that desire for fellowship and intimacy. But ultimately, if our heart has a full expression of gratitude, we desire that heart to be expressed in other people's hearts as well. The grace of God in your life is meant to be extended to other people's lives as well, who will ultimately give glory to God. I hope God leads us here this year. I hope 2017 is the year where God allows grace to extend in our city because of you, to people who aren't necessarily deserving of it. And because of the grace that you extend to them, the gift of Jesus himself, and it can come in a million different forms, your generosity, an invitation, um, um, being present in time of need. I hope that your gift of grace to people around you will ultimately result in glorifying the giver of the ultimate gift that we could receive. That's the gift of Jesus himself. I wonder tonight, and I'm almost done, that I wonder tonight maybe if you have taken the giver for granted or if you've really never even experienced that gratitude towards the giver for the ultimate gift he gave in Jesus. Uh, I believe that... um, As much as we can be grateful to others around us, ultimately Jesus desires for us to see him for who he truly is. And the gift of himself on the cross, where he shed his blood, the scripture says, for our sins. Ultimately, we can come to a place where the spirit of God has done such a work in our life, in our heart, where we can look to Jesus and we can say with full gratitude in our heart, thank you for what you've done for me. Because of what you have done for me and the Spirit of God working in me, I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sin. I come to you and I live the rest of my life for you. We call that salvation. And I wonder if maybe there's people here tonight who have never experienced that. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing one more song and we're going to be done tonight. But I want to offer a gift to you tonight. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you showed up to a church service because you saw it online, got a flyer, a friend invited. I don't know how you came, but as one of the pastors here, I'm grateful, genuinely. There is gratitude in my heart, and I want to express it to you. I'm glad you're here. God didn't bring you here by accident or circumstance or happenstance. He brought you here because he wanted to expose you to the gift of his son on the cross for your sin ultimately bringing you to the place where the Spirit of God has done such a work in your life, where it's divided your heart, where you know that God knows that you know that you've, the Scripture says, sinned against God, you've missed the mark, you aren't perfect, 
Ultimately, that has offended God, but God in his wonderful grace, God in his wonderful kindness and his compassion towards you said, I've made provision for the offense that you've brought against me when I died on the cross for your sin. And tonight, the response to that is simply a heart that bows before God and says, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. I recognize who I am before you and my offense against you. And tonight, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin, and I want to walk with you the rest of the days of my life. Jesus, would you save me? The book of John says, when we do so, he gives us the right to become and called a child of God. Maybe that's you tonight. You came into an auditorium, and your greatest need is to be a child of God. There's nothing magical or mystical about that. I'm not going to stand you on stage, make you say anything you don't want to say, make you walk down front tonight. I simply want to ask you, if that's you tonight, you have a moment when we stand and sing right there where you are, where you do some business with Jesus and you are honest before him, you confess to him who you are, and you ask him to save you right there where you are. And that's the genuine, authentic desire of your heart. I believe, and it's the record of scripture, that tonight everything changes. He takes a heart of stone, he gives you a heart of flesh. He creates a brand new person, the scripture says. He gives you new life. Ultimately, what the scripture says is he saves you. That's your desire. I want to beg you to spend a few minutes praying to Jesus as we sing. And if that's you, I want to ask you to do one more thing as we leave tonight. I'd like to ask you to stop by the connect table, grab one of those cards. On the bottom of the connect card, it says, tonight I trusted Jesus as my savior. I'd love for you to check that, fill out your info. We want to reach out to you. Why? Because we believe the believing life is not a solo flight, it's a community journey, and we want to help you begin this relationship with Jesus tonight. Now for the rest of us, and I'm done in one minute. God's given us an incredible gift here this year in our city, something we did not deserve, something that we did not manufacture, something we did not think of before the world began. It was God's plan and he gave us a brand new church in our city. But more practically for many of us in this room, what God did is he mended relationships. Some of you came to faith in Jesus. You now have lifelong friends. You have now have roommates. You now have people that you can call on in a time of need. And I would say practically tonight, if that's the genuine, authentic desire and feeling of your heart, it's best expressed through action. Maybe you need to say to somebody tonight, I praise God for you. I thank you and I'm grateful that God put you in my life in 2016. Let's stand and sing. Jesus, everybody in the auditorium, let's stand and sing. Jesus, we thank you. God, with grateful hearts tonight, with grateful hearts, we express to you, God, the things that you have done to us, the things that we did not deserve, the grace that you have demonstrated. God, we want to express to you our gratitude. Would you help us understand tangibly physically being present in the moment that you've created, God, how to express that gratitude tonight to those who are around us in our lives, in our family, in our homes, in our apartments, on our Facebook pages, Jesus, in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Let's sing.